Hello and welcome to episode 1211 of The Sleeper in the Bust. It is Monday, August 28th. I'm your host, Paul Spore, joined this morning by Justin Mason. Justin, good morning, sir. Good morning. How you doing? I'm doing pretty well. How about yourself? How was the weekend with Nick and everything? Hey, it was a really, really fun weekend. Nick is a fantastic uh, house guest, uh, you know, playing my, with my kids. And, uh, you know, we went out to the game on Friday night, which I don't think we even saw maybe like an more than like an inning or two of the actual game itself. We were just mostly talking and we deal with that at AFL too. Yeah. It it was some of the games. It was just too fun. Like, you know, I only get to see some of those guys like once or twice a year. Like, Mm -hmm. so like seeing guys like Sammy Reed and Doug Thorburn, who I love, but I only really see them at the bar fleet draft, um, you know, was really, really cool. Always seeing, you know, and, uh, Jake Crumpler is going to come on the podcast here in a couple of weeks on, on Sunday. Uh, you know, like in and, and Bubba Entrican, like it's just, just such a great group of, of guys. And of course, Nick, like Nick was just like the most fun person, just super nice, sweet guy. And so, yeah, it was, a, it was a blast of a weekend. That's fantastic. It, it sounded like it was going to be, and I'm glad it lived up to it. Um, had a pretty good weekend over here, you know, excited about uh, where my, where my fantasy team's going. Mm-hmm chiseling into that deficit there i've talked about how the top three have kind of run away and hidden from everybody else but i'm i'm inching my way there it's now under double digits it's nine points stretch run here we're going to get into some things there was some big news that created one of the bigger fab weekends for closers right we haven't seen much this year i think it's pretty easy to say that Adbert Alzley is the best closer pickup of the year if you look at it in in the aggregate a few others here and there but this week offered the chance for two big stretch run situations one due to injury which is very unfortunate the other due to ineffectiveness of a newcomer being traded to a team and and just not getting it done we're going to get into both of those another couple other fab moves we're going to play three up three down then we're going to do hold and fold that was that was well received last time we did it i want to talk about four players i want to see if you're hanging on to these guys right now because you got to make tougher cuts at this point in the year and i have one guy on here that people are going to raise their eyebrows about it's going to be a very specific scenario if you don't need the particular category that he usually delivers delivers it might be time to let this guy go because he's not even delivering that right now so we'll get to that at the very end let's start with the Felix Bautista injury this sucks a UCL injury of some sort puts him out you know unless you're an AL East fan of another ball club if you're just kind of a a casual fan of that race or for me like a Tigers fan so I'm just kind of looking at the fun teams I like Baltimore I'm rooting for them to see them lose Bautista sucks but if any team is out there well-equipped to just place in another guy who looks like it could be not as effective because Bautista misses bats at a much higher rate than Yanir Cano, but it doesn't look like they should miss too much of a beat in the ninth at least. The only issue is that bridge becomes wobblier to the ninth. So Yanir Cano is the obvious fix here, and I did see a lot of Felix Bautista managers get Yanir Cano. Were you in on Cano at all? I know you have Bautista in a key league. So how did that uh, how did that all sit with you this weekend when Bautista went out for the year? Yeah, that that one hurt. Uh, we were at the like game, but like in a sports bar, right? Like that's attached to the stadium. Mm-hmm. While watching that game, because I was like, oh, he's about to get a save, and he got through the first few guys, and it was like, okay, here we go. And then what? Wait, why is he What's leaving going the train? Or yeah. Like, uh, it's devastating for me personally. Um, I've got Batista in both my main and my auction. Um, so like to lose him, 
two know. massively competing teams for those that don't know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, my auction is top five, seven in the overall, and uh, and my my main is just trying to hold on to second place right now, and maybe even try to make a run at first. So, like to lose him probably takes me out of you know first place contention in my main, uh, and it definitely uh, it didn't hurt me so much in my auction, just but it gave it gave the guy in second place the ability to try to go get a closer this week, which helps him try to catch me. So, yeah, uh, I was, I was in on the Cano bids, but I just didn't have the fab, um, unfortunately to get him in any like major spots where I really, really needed him, which is just unfortunate. Um, I agree that he's going to end up being like the guy. I also, you know, put some kind of like $1 bids on some other guys just to, uh, you know, see maybe it turns into a committee of sorts because Cano was like lights out at the beginning of the year, and then he went through a pretty rough stretch. He did, but he he's, he's turned come back around. around. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, Sorry, you were going to say that he's come back around at least. Yeah, so I think he's a guy. Um, you know, the other guy we're going to talk about, I did get in a couple leagues, so I'm I'm, I'm glad to get yeah, uh, Taylor so, Scott. Yeah, let's bring let's bring in uh, the Miami situation. David Robertson's the guy who was traded over, and he's just being ousted due to ineffectiveness. He's just been really, really bad, and they can't keep having that. Right? They win a lot of close games. They don't go beat teams up a bunch. Pitching is how they get it done. The starters set things up beautifully for the bullpen. They figure getting a veteran like David Robertson, who was having a hell of a year. Uh, for the Mets, you know, just quietly getting it done. He wasn't the reason that they were flopping so much. He comes over there and he's just completely ineffective. It's been 10 innings and I don't want to put too much on this because we don't know, but it is probably hard to get traded in season. We've talked about things like this before and you never know how anybody's going to react. Some guys, they don't miss a beat and they just go and they're as better than they were before they were traded. And it's like, wow, best trade acquisition of the year. Other guys flop. And it's not always, like I said, because of that. It could just be variance, especially with a reliever. Maybe, you know, these were just going to be the 10 innings that David Robertson didn't have it going, whether he was with Miami or New York. But either way, he's been wildly ineffective. His walk rates doubled. His home run rates damn near doubled. It's been bad. He's out. Tanner Scott's in. You mentioned you went and got him, so you did get a replacement for Bautista, even if it wasn't the direct replacement. How confident are you that Scott is the guy? Marlins guy extraordinaire Craig Mish says it is, so I tend to believe it. Is that what drove you to getting Scott as well? Plus, he had a Sunday save. He's also just been really, really good this year. Like Excellent. Yep. Like there was talk prior to the Robertson trade that he was going to take the job over from AJ Puck. So mm -hmm. uh, I just think it, he's the log logical uh, conclusion here. And uh, I I was pretty aggressive in the leagues where I got him uh, just because I feel like he has a really good opportunity to just be the guy rest of the way. Um, and, you know, maybe even the guy coming in the next year. So those yeah. of you in keeper leagues, like, you know, you may want to try to go get him and pick him up and see if you can hold him in to next season because I think he has got a pretty good opportunity there as well. I mean, I don't want to, like, necessarily count A.J. Puck, but uh, he's just been so bad uh, in kind of the second half. So I, th I, think, I think that it makes a lot of uh, sense for Scott to be the guy right now. Yeah, absolutely. He, he's been great, Tanner Scott. You know, both couple of youngish lefties, both Puck and Scott are 28. They were one-time big prospects. Injuries have kind of derailed them from the starter path. They're now both in the bullpen. Um, and Scott's been excellent this year. The walk rate's been in check. 
and everything else is, is falling into place. He's always kind of had that. If the control's there, then everything should be there. And he's been great. So he was a big time pickup too. So two big closers on the market for quality winning teams. I know the Marlins are just one game over 500, but they are winning. They win close games often. And the Orioles, 80 and 48, you know, bottom line is you just want closers on the highest winning teams and they're the second highest win total in baseball. Yeah. So both of those are worth picking up and could be game changers down the stretch. It wasn't much of a bid week for starters, at least not in the 15 team landscape. I landscape i don't think much in the 12 team either i had a list of two guys when it came to starters and i wasn't all that interested in either i like this first guy that we're going to talk about and the other guy we didn't i didn't even list but it was edward cabrera was just like just because i was cutting a spot that needed to be filled i was like i'll even take a gamble on him even though i know who he is but jordan wicks was probably the top starter in a lot of formats. Um, call up for the Cubs, 23-year-old, and impressed in his debut. Five innings of two-hit ball, one run, one walk, nine strikeouts for Jordan Wicks, the uh, the left-hander against Pittsburgh. In Pittsburgh, got the win as well. So that's a great outing. Of course, opponent has to be taken into some consideration there. He will get Cincy in game two of a doubleheader in Cincinnati this week. How interested were you in 23-year-old Jordan Wicks? I mean, I was interested because, like you said, and I mean, a lot of 15 team leagues, there was just nothing out there. Nothing. I mean, like, it was like I, I was really trying to figure out a way to like drop Jesse Schultons. Uh, mm -hmm. uh, and I like I could, like, there was just nothing out there. Like, unless you want to take a gamble on a two start Luis Severino with one of those starts being like at Houston, like pass. Yeah. Like, it just, it was so, so ugly. Uh, and I mean, this is where we get. You know, at this point in the season, you know, you they've lost. There's so many arms that have been lost that uh, it's now just slim pickings on the waiver wire. And so, like in a number of leagues, uh, you know, I put bids on a Wicks uh, on Wicks, but like I ended up just picking up like high leverage relievers, guys who might like just sneak a save in the next week or something like that. In including one in Baltimore, uh, Danny Kaloum, and it's mm -hmm. not a like a hate on Cano. But because Cano doesn't have the closer experience and Kalum's a lefty, there's a world where he steals a save just because matchups yeah. work too. And and Cano's kind of easing into the closer role. So I like that Kalum 270 ERA, 110 whip on the air with a bunch of Ks, 51 in his 40 innings of work. He's stolen three wins and two saves just over the course of the year. And now it's a bit more open. So I, I think that's a, a decent gamble that you did there. Uh, because yeah, that's kind of what you had to turn to if you didn't go for wicks because there wasn't a whole lot there so he was kind of a low dollar guy might have been inflated a few bucks in your league if somebody really liked him just because of the lack of options i think he can be decent down the stretch i'm just not sure he's a game changer are you starting jordan wicks at cincinnati this week uh just as a general idea obviously who you have matters but like were you acquiring him to put him on your bench as a, as a potential weapon or did you want this trip to cincy for wicks I mean, I don't want a trip to Cincy. Like, <laughs> I, obviously, in a 15-team league, like, you might have to make that determination. Like, I, I, I've been thinking about, like, sitting Javier Assad. Yeah. He's been fantastic for a month. And he killed the two-step, by the way. He, <laughs> yeah. the Detroit-Pittsburgh two-step, that played out as well as it could have for Javier Assad. So, but I, I am, like, super worried about, like, Hey, do I even start Assad in Cincinnati? Yeah. So I, I'm definitely worried about starting a guy like Wicks, who, well, his command is pretty good. The control can, you know, leave him at times. So he's got a full arsenal. I think he's going to be pretty good down the stretch. So, like, if he's still available in your league, I think he's a guy you want to pick up. 
yeah, I think definitely worth taking a look at Jordan Wicks. Maybe you don't start him this week. He does get Arizona after that. And both these teams are kind of in between right now. In fact, they played each other this weekend, Arizona mm-hmm. and Cincy, in an interesting battle. Crazy, crazy game. I, uh, I enjoyed that series quite oh a bit. Oh, my God. Like, was it Thursday night where it was pretty much one on a fucking balk? Like, yeah, like, it, uh, it was... It, it, it was a really cool series between these two and the D-backs, by the way, they were kind of left for dead during one of their lulls. Uh, they're back in a wild card spot right now. But yeah, 3-2 game on Thursday, 10-8 on Friday, 8-7 on Saturday, and then 5-2 on Sunday. So three really close games. And then even the Sunday game, 5-2 is, is pretty yeah. close there. It ended up being a, a four, uh, excuse me, the Dimebacks took three out of four from the Reds there. So uh, that was really interesting. But yeah, with Wicks, be careful going into Cincy. They're not as electric as they have been. They can still get you. Let's talk Parker Meadows because he was one of the top, arguably the top hitter. I, th- I think probably the top the top hitter target unless you had a random one-off guy available that wasn't available in as many leagues. Talking 15 teams right now with Parker Meadows. Because he was available in every league, uh, somebody that people could go for. You mentioned that you got some shares of him. I saw you got, uh, believe it or not, your $10 pickup was one of the higher pickups. Whoa. He only went... Yeah, he went over 20 just once, 21, couple 17s, a 15, couple 14s, 13s, 11, and then your 10 is right there. Uh, Kansas City Moose, I think we know who that is. That's mm-hmm. Anthony Gialdi. So y'all both paid $10 for him on a backup of three. I got him for nine and a backup of seven, which I felt great about. But of course, he, not even when he's trying, Scott Jenstead, a.k.a. Striker, just outdoes us as a badass he got two shares of parker meadows at four and three bucks must be nice right i thought my league was poor and it is by the way i think my nine dollar uh parker meadows was like the third highest bid of the week in our league but nice scoops by jenstead parker meadows is somebody who could really be a game changer down the stretch and really didn't cost game changing prices because so many leagues are poor what were your thoughts on parker meadows's first week and why you were uh going for him in your pickups He's a guy who can just do everything, right? Like, he can get for power. He can steal bases. Uh, I think he's going to play every day. Uh, mm-hmm. The power has been on display early. He's already got two home runs. so uh, Including a colossal yeah. home run on Friday mm-hmm. night against Ryan Presley. That was so sick. I was at a concert, but I'm watching it on my phone, and I'm freaking out in my own little world over there. But anyway, continue on Parker Meadows. Yeah, it was, uh, it was pretty cool to watch. Uh, but... <sighs> I mean, for me, it's just a matter of like, hey, at this point, like I need guys who are going to play full time and have any sort of pop, right? Like yeah. pop is, you know, or any sort of speed. And for, for a guy to have both um, and to be in a situation where Tigers aren't playing for anything, they need to see what they got in some of these young guys. And I, I think Meadows is going to play a ton. I just, you know, I probably quadruple checked my bids to make sure I wasn't trying to pick up Austin Meadows. Uh, <laughs> Smart because same team too, right? Like you yeah. see Meadows Detroit, like mm-hmm. you can really make a mistake there. We saw the, uh, what was it? The Corey Abbott getting picked up yep. when Andrew Abbott was out. So yeah, you really got a double and triple check on the Meadows there, but you got the right one. Did you get him anywhere else besides that main event? Oh yeah. I got him in a bunch of places. Also picked up Mark day and a bunch of leagues where he, Noel was still, yeah, where he Excellent. was still available. Uh, you know, he stole four bases in his first week. And, yeah. um, you know, just, I think this is a really, really good time to make sure you're just staying kind of on your P's and Q's and, and not slacking. Right. Like it's really easy at this time of year to be like, Oh, I've got my football drafts and Especially I've got this going football, on. Yeah. yeah. Like, 
you know, uh, you know, but like you can still make up ground in a lot of spots and, uh, and a lot of other people are going to give up and a lot of other people are just out of fab. Like my main event, I've got 10 bucks left. I am in the middle of the pack in terms yeah. of fab. Like, and we were talking know, about that offline like the leagues are poor I, I mentioned that with the bids for my parker meadows and obviously jensteads leagues are probably coming in poor if he's getting them at four and three mm -hmm. bucks we have two guys in my league that do have money but they haven't been as active as far as going into the bids so then you look at kind of the competitors and my 29 dollars sits third amongst the competitors yeah and only one of the people ahead of me has more um rob dipietro has 28 to my 29 and john posma who's in first has 17. so the top two guys are running poor your buddy dave mcdonald's in that league he's got 10 bucks just like you we have two zeros in our league we have a, a one a six a nine and then it gets to dave's 10 and the double digits startup so yeah and i think this is something that's happened across many leagues we've talked about the phenomenon a bit there's just been a lot more fab being spent this mm -hmm. year i think more people are engaged bidding bidding lists are deeper i think we're seeing more articles more pods more focus on it and people are being more aggressive because of that too and now you're seeing it's creating these potential pockets of, of value down the stretch because people just don't have any money and so well, we're going to see some game changers acquired cheaply the other thing that we're seeing this year and i think this is going to be a trend moving forward is major league teams being more aggressive on younger players absolutely right? it's two years in a row now don't forget yeah. the rookie class we had last year remember when we said it can't happen again it did, except on the pitching side, right? Like last mm -hmm. year was a lot of great hitters. This year's a lot of great hitters and uh, pitchers. And I agree with you. This is going to continue. I don't yeah. think this is a blip at all. So I'm 100% with you. Now, knowing that and seeing a second year of this, I know we've talked about this a little bit here and there. Are you going to change how you approach Fab next year? Do you feel comfortable having 10 bucks? There's four bid periods left, right? So you have you essentially have 10 moves left at, at a dollar mm -hmm. a piece. Um, are you are you obviously you'd rather have more but are you comfortable enough with where you stand in in your standings and having 10 bucks or are you going to alter next year to be like i need to have closer to 50 or 25. how, how do you, how has this year affected what you plan to do next year i mean i mean obviously it'd be great if i had 50 bucks right now um or even like 30 bucks uh i mean i don't even think 50 is necessary at this point but uh I like what I've done so far. I, I mean, I can nitpick on certain, you know, certain bids, certain guys. I think I want to make a few less of those like $50 bids, um, you know, and like, I'm okay. Like I spent $300 on Yuri Perez. I think th Yuri Perez has been worth that $300. Yeah. Uh, and there's been a ham handful of guys that have been right. And I, mm -hmm. I, I've talked about being a bit negative on that pool of those big triple digit guys. But you can go through and find a lot of hits and it, yeah. it is a lot of those pitchers this year so i'm not sitting here saying that it never works i'm not sure i want to be in the low dollars at this point in the year although if the rest of your league is too it's like there is a cutoff point where you have too much mm -hmm. and you don't want to have like 120 right now when the next yeah. highest has 40 because that leverage that that there's not enough talent to to leverage that and so i'm with you you said you wouldn't even need 50 you'd kill for 30 right now just 20 yeah. extra and I'm, I'm i'm at 29 and i feel pretty good with four bid periods left yeah i think because what you know what it comes down to right now is i virtually have 10 one dollar bids yeah. right like that i need to spread out over the next four fat periods so i'm pretty much staying pat until i get someone hurt um yes. and uh if i had the ability right now to make 
you know, ten two dollar bids, I would feel a lot better. Um, you know, or ten three dollar bids because there's a lot of people in my leagues who like they're in the same situation as me, and because mm-hmm. I'm higher in the standings, I'm gonna lose those tiebreakers. And so have the you know have the ability to make the two dollar bid as opposed to the one dollar bid uh, would be really nice. But ultimately, I feel pretty good about where I've you know what I've done this year in Fab and. Uh, and I think I'm going to pretty much kind of keep virtually the same strategy with, you know, maybe I'm going to dial back some of my, you know, kind of early season $50 bids into more like, you know, $15, $20 bids. You're talking about uh, those 50s that like you win and you're happy about it, but the backup was 22. You went maybe a little too aggro for a guy that probably wasn't going to be as big of a game changer as you thought, even if he had fully panned out. Is that the, is that the player type that you're talking about where those should be tighter bids, but early on, maybe uh, you're, you're spending more. Cause you're like, I've got a thousand bucks. I'll be fine. Is, uh, is that the bid class that you're talking yeah, about? Yeah. I'm talking like the guys who are like, Hey, this is a, this is a really good streamer this week, but maybe a guy I could he- keep for another you know few weeks. And, you know, and I bid 50 bucks on him, you know, or 45 bucks on him. And, I pro, you know, maybe I wouldn't have gotten him for 15 or 20, but I could have gotten two of those guys, right? Yes. Like, you know, you know, and like Hayden Wesneski is a really good example of a guy like, hey, he came back up. I was like, oh, I think he's going to be back up for good. I spent 187 bucks on him when I, one, I really didn't need to. And two, I just blew 187 bucks. And so staying yeah. away from those kind of bids, I don't mind spending up extra for guys I really believe in and think, hey, this guy can carry me, you know, the rest of the way like Yuri uh, kind of has. But uh, I think the guys who are kind of like, hey, he's just in a really good spot this week or maybe for the next two or three weeks, uh, 50 bucks, 60 bucks isn't worth that. So um, I would much rather, you know, spend 15 bucks this week and 15 bucks next week as opposed to spending 60 right now. Yeah, it, it, it is the guy you're putting 60 on. Is the guy that you have second, third, and fourth behind him, are they that much different that he should be 60 and the other guy's 24 or whatever, right? Like that gap that you have, bring that down. I had some issues like that myself. Looking back on an old bid for Rodolfo Castro, somebody I did pump up. You guys know I liked him. Um, when he was cut and, and then ready to go to Coors, he was about to have a Coors week. I remember bidding on this, and I put 83 on him. Which, you know, at, uh, in April 16th, you're like, oh, I can get the rest of the year. And again, he was a guy I did like. He went 43 back up. And the worst part about that is I raised it from 62 to 83 late because I was like, people are going to jump him because he's going to Coors, blah, blah, blah. It's Rodolfo Castro, Paul. No one's going to jump shit. <laughs> Although in that same week, I also last second jumped Taj Bradley from 173 to 186. And I got him and the backup was 179. So, you know, sometimes your late tweaks work. Although... I guess you could dispute how much did Taj Bradley work now that uh, he's not around and there was some pain. In fact, actually, I do want to check that up real quick. I want to see exactly what I got from Taj Bradley because he's no longer on my team. And for my 186 bucks, I got a 544 ERA and a 145 whip. I would say that didn't work. Not good. Yeah, not good. Four wins. 64 K's and 46 innings. So, so those are not up on the stats. That is, that is not, that's not, you don't you have to be an advanced stat head to know that that's, that's not great. I will say this though. I'll be in on Tosh Bradley next year. I'm not really worried about him in the long He's going to have, a, I mean, he should have a rotation spot. I'm surprised. He should have he a rotation right spot. And I don't think people are going to be so keen on what he did this year that the price is no. going to be too crazy. So yeah, I will, I will still he'll, buy even he'll though he's going to burn. He'll be a forgotten guy. You get in the twenties, you know, somewhere. And, and he could be, a Luis Patino, 
where he yep. just kind of keeps getting the hype and never comes through or this year was a stair step and next year he, he breaks out. So we'll see how that goes, but uh, I'm not going to be totally off of him. Anyway, that was uh, Parker Meadows that we kind of got on that tangent with. Eager to see what he does. Obviously, anytime I can get a Tiger that actually has some quality, I love that as a double dip there as a fan of the ball club. So hopefully you can keep going. Let's play some three up, three down. And let's go to somebody who coming into the year was not the biggest fan. And, you know, I don't think I've been anywhere running my big mouth about any victory laps on this one, even though at times probably could have gotten away with it if you had looked at the composite numbers on Teoscar Hernandez. But I'm glad I didn't say any bullshit because it's a six-month season and he's had an, an amazing August that really puts him in line for a pretty good season. He also had a great June. Um, April, May, and July, all pretty bad for Teoscar, though. That said, when you put up two months, one of a 949 OPS, the other of a 1050 so far here in August, that can be enough to kind of support your season. This month, six homers, 366 average, the, the 1050 OPS I mentioned with 17 ribbies and 13 runs. If you don't know off the top of your head or, or if you haven't researched it lately, do you know where Teoscar is among outfielders on the player radar? I mean, he's going to be pretty high, which is crazy considering how uh, uh, bad his season was for, for such a long period yep. of time. I'm going to say he is 23rd. You're, you're really good at this. You, you, you've yeah. done well on this. He's 21. Yeah. Um, you nailed some the other day. I remember that you were just like one or two off. So you're you're very good at eyeballing. Outfield has been atrocious. It, and I think that's part of it. But again, let's give him his due here. 22 homers, 262, six steals. That's basically what he did last year in the same volume, right? He played um, only 535 plate appearances because he missed some time. He's at 544 this year basically matching his output i thought going to seattle would lower the output so I, w I was wrong on him like even if i think even if he flops in july uh september excuse me I, i'm still gonna say you know what i took i took the loss there on him now the guy who took over him fraley i still feel pretty good about that that was kind of one of my big you know who do you like here between these two? And I went Fraley. Obviously, Fraley's been hurt, but he's put up the power speed season 15-20 with 263. So that's a win in a one-on-one one -on -one battle. But I was worried that Teoscar would have some struggles, and he really hasn't. He's just made up for it on the road. He does have a 701 OPS at home, 231 average, but 290 and 813 on the road has made up for it. So Teoscar's looking pretty good. Let me ask you this, though. Let's spin it forward. 31 years old next year. Does have a strikeout issue which should put some pressure on his batting average, but 267, 262 the last two years, not too bad. 20-something homers, little handful of steals. In fact, six is his number. He had six last year, six this year, six in 2020, six in 2019, all different samples, but he likes six steals. He even had 12 in 2021, which is, of course, six times two. Um, Tasker next year, in or out, do you think? Assuming the price is basically the same, because I think that's what it'll be. It depends on where he ends up. He is a free agent at the end of the year. That's right. And, right. Uh, you know, this this is going to be one of these situations where, like, you know, we look at what he's done fantasy-wise and we go, hey, he should get a nice little contract. Teams don't value him in the same way that we do in fantasy. He's bad right. defensively. So I think a lot, of a lot of competitive teams that would want him to come in are going to want him to DH. And how many teams just want a guy that is going to mostly DH for you? Uh, and then he doesn't get on base a ton, right? Like he doesn't walk. Uh, and so how many teams are going to be, I mean, you know, think about like Eddie Rosario, because it's a very similar type of plate profile. Wait, like how difficult can we bring it was. In, 
Sorry, just while you're saying that, can we bring in the, the next guy on the list, Marcelo Zuna? Sure. Because he's having a great year out of, I don't want to say out of nowhere, but like he's rebounded, man. 29 homers, 70 ribs, 263 average. He looks like freaking Marlins version or first year Atlanta back when he was in the 2020 season. And I bring him up. He, he got a four-year, $65 million deal back in 2021. But in just the two short years since then, I, I agree with you. Teams aren't really valuing that sort of profile yeah. as much. Do you think Teoscar gets something in that realm or, or do they, does he even get a four-year commitment? I would be surprised if he got a four-year commitment. I mean, you got to remember, one, Ozuna was younger when he got that deal. He had also shown the ability at times to take walks. Like, in, in a, you know, I mean, he had an 11% walk rate in St. Louis for, uh, and a 20% strikeout rate prior to... Much better uh, play skills. Yeah, and so I think teams would value that a little bit more. Though the defensive issues were definitely there, uh, mm -hmm. similarly to, uh, to Oscar. So... I, I really want to see where he ends up, what kind of situation, what kind of park he ends up in. Uh, and, uh, you know, what he's done is he really struggled this year uh, making contact, especially in the zone. Uh, Tay Oscar, Oscar did, you're yeah, saying. Yeah, Tay Oscar yeah. did, yeah. Um, and, you know, usually, like, what what do you want a guy to do when, you, when he's going through that problem? Hey, get a little patient. Don't swing so much outside of the zone. You know, wait for your pitch. He's done the exact opposite. He is... <laughs> ramped up his zone swing to like 84%. Like I'm he, attacking. I'm just going to swing my way out of this. And that's what he's done. And we talked about him back on August 11th. And I said like, Hey, don't drop him necessarily because like he could just get hot and like end up helping you win a league. And, and that's kind of what he's done here. Um, is, is he who I asked you if this was like a Solaire situation? Yeah. Remember, was it like year, was it two years ago that I was like, mm -hmm. Solaire's a cut. And you're like, no. And I, I think I referenced that call that you had. I said, is Teoscar in that same realm? You said, stick with him. He's been electric since. Yeah, we did talk about him on the 11th, as you mentioned. He's just been cooking since then. So I wanted to bring him up again because he's been a fascinating player. And like I said, I was out. He was in three down that day. Um, and just in two weeks since then, he's completely flipped himself and Teoscar and is now in three up. So um, love him the rest of the year, of course. Obviously, you're not cutting or anything like that. I, I do agree with you, though. It is hard to answer for next year until we see where he is. Do you worry that Teoscar, if he goes to the right park, like a big hitter's park, that he'll be overvalued? Or do you think that even a nice, friendly hitter's park, good lineup will keep him fairly valued? What, what, what do you think on something like that? Yeah, I mean, I think he'll probably be overvalued uh, more than likely, you know, especially, especially if he continues what he's doing now. You know, he's one of these guys like, he could go cold rest of the way. Like, right. True. You know, you just talked about how like, Hey, he was hot in June and then he was atrocious in July. Like he could be atrocious in September and just tank his value. So, you know, like uh, it's kind of a to be determined, yeah. you know, based on how Tay Oscar finishes the rest of this season and then where he ends up next year. You know, the hard part is kind of figuring out what kind of place wants a, you know, corner outfield bat that's not good defensively. Yeah, um, and th that's too hard to figure right now. And so yeah. we'll just have to kind of wait and see. There's also the world where, you know, they go to the playoffs uh, if they make it and he pops off there and adds to his, uh, you know, so he can go the other way. You talk about how he could get cold and tamp down some of the interest. He could also get hot and amp it up to a to a really crazy level, too. So it, it can definitely run the other way, uh, just depending on how things go for Teoscar Hernandez. Let's bring Ozuna back up. Like I said, he's been killing it. 
Uh, 29 homers, 70 ribs. He had 23 and 56 all of last year in 52 fewer plate appearances, or 52 more plate appearances, pardon me. And his batting average is up uh, nearly 30 points. He's been great. Uh, he, he, is he back? Is, is Marcelo Zuna back? Is he trustworthy for next year? He'll be 33, of course. He's shown power before. He's never swooned like this. He had a couple swoon years there in St. Louis before getting back together in 2020 with Atlanta. Of course, that was the shortened season. So how much stock could we put into it? Total flop in 21 off the field issues. He and his wife have you know, seemingly a, just a horrendously toxic relationship beating each other up. Um, so, you know, obviously bringing him up. I don't know. I probably don't have to say the disclaimer with our audience. They're not, you guys aren't stupid, but just because we're talking about him in a positive light fantasy wise, we do not advocate for anything yeah. off the field. Shouldn't have to say it, but just in case people I've seen crazier things about talking about assholes as if talking about their fantasy numbers means we like them. At any rate, Ozuna has been cooking and he's on all formats must play. How are you valuing, valuing him for next year? I'll, I'll point out seven homers, 356 average this month, which is why he's on three up. Ozuna for next year, though, how do you view him? Because he'll still be with Atlanta. Well, unless they trade him. Yeah, I mean, I can't imagine they're going to they're gonna trade him. Um, I just, you know, like, what would they get on the open market for exactly. a guy like Ozuna? He, so. 18 mil for 25 homers and a, and a 250 average is fine for, for their setup yeah. with all the saved money they have. And he's been walking at 10% rate. Like he's yep. getting on base outside of just the hits. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I think he is probably going to end up being a guy who goes in like the 140, 150 area, like Anthony Santander ish. Okay. Um, he's so, the 18th outfielder this year, by the way. Uh, and Santander's 22nd. So interesting. And you I, nailed and it think, again, by the way. Yeah. I, I think he's going to. But I think that means he's going to be undervalued because Santander is a guy, because he doesn't run, um, he gets a little undervalued. And I think in spite of the fact that um, we're going to see a lot of, you know, changes in terms of what fantasy, uh, the fantasy landscapes values in terms of stolen bases with the uptick, um, people still like those guys that add at least a little bit of speed, right? Like, oh, you know, I know he's not a burner, but he's going to get me eight, mm -hmm. you know? Uh, and they devalue the guys who end up, you know, stealing zero or stealing one or two, uh, probably a little bit too far. So I, I think Ozuna is one of those guys that I don't mind putting on my roster, especially he's probably going to get devalued a little bit even more because he's a little bit older too. So, mm -hmm. uh, it's a fantastic lineup. You want a piece of that Atlanta lineup. Uh, it doesn't matter where he hits in it because, uh, because it's just so good. Top it's, to bottom. it's always good. Yeah. Like so, it's, it's just been great. Uh, yeah, I think Ozuna's guy I'll probably be targeting, especially in that 140, 150 kind of area, if that is where he's going. Yeah, I, I, and I could totally see him being overlooked, uh, and and maybe even partly because of the off-the-field stuff, And which, mm -hmm. by the way, I don't begrudge anybody. You, you, you're playing fantasy to have fun. You don't want to root for an asshole. Some people see him as number generators, and, you know, assholes welcome. Others say, I want cool guys. I want people I can root for, and I... It's totally up to you how you want to manage that. That's why this game's great. You can win in many different ways. So that might keep Ozuna's value down. Mm -hmm. uh, let's talk Mitch Garver because I think he's been sneaky, sneaky great for most of the year. Now, he hasn't played all year. Uh, he has missed some time. He missed all of May. Uh, he missed a bunch of April, missed a little bit of time in June and July, I believe, too. So he's, he's been in and out quite a bit. But when he's been playing, he's been great. He's been particularly electric here in August. Seven homers, 313 average, 1014 OPS for Mitch Garver. And Justin, 
Garver's going to retain catcher eligibility because the injuries and everything, uh, Heim was down for a while. He's got 27 games there. So he's back, you know, he's got that guaranteed catcher for next year and he's back crushing the way he did in 2021. Um, not quite like the way he did in 2019, which was just a crazy season from Garver. But what are we doing with Mitch Garver here uh, as catcher eligible player? Again, for next year, I think he's an easy play right now. Two catcher leagues, all formats, all that sort of stuff. So I don't think there's much analysis there. But what about next year for the 33-year-old Garver, who, again, will be catcher eligible still? Yeah. I mean, Garver's a guy that I tend to run away from just because of his injury profile, sure. um, and especially behind the plate. Like, the, you know, catchers just get nicked up more than any other position player. He'll be a free um, agent, too, by the way, just FYI. Yeah. And I mean, it's not like he's a very good catcher. Like, so... I, what is his value going to be on the open market? Um, you know, is he a guy that teams are going to be that interested to go out and get? Um, so I, I definitely want to see where he ends up before I kind of commit to being like, oh, he, he's a dude I'm looking for. But I also don't think he's going to be like super expensive, like 12 home runs, 58 games played. Like, like that's not someone that people are going to be like jumping over to like go get. So I think he'll be like a pretty easy C2 that, you know, if he's not playing a lot, if he's not in a good situation, you can drop for another C2. So um, I don't mind him. But he's, again, just not someone I'm super enthused by because of that injury history. I think that's totally fair with Mitch Garver. And, you know, I I'm with you, too. And I am going to play a bit of wait and see on where he goes to see how interested I will be. He'll be one of those guys that if he is just dirt cheap because he's old and people just don't really believe in him or anything um then i could see going for him in two catcher formats but i'm not really seeking out mitch garver because i'm with you the injuries are just too scary the last time he played 100 games was 2018 even in the huge huge colossal 2019 killer breakout season it was 93 games and so that's kind of the tough part on garver is you know what kind of what, what can you expect from him and the yeah. answer is usually not too much playing time wise let's go three down uh jack sawinski has been ice cold and that's what this profile type can do where you've got the huge swing and miss he does have great walks too so he usually st stabilizes his obp with a 15 percent walk rate but he's hitting 202 with 21 homers nine steals and when that profile goes cold it looks like a cut in a lot of formats and uh here in august it's zero homers and an 091 average for jack sawinski after five homers in each of the last three months uh may june and july with varying averages decent average in july bad in june and in may but when you get the five homers there's some value there are you holding jack sawinski anywhere right now during this slump or is he that kind of guy that when he's cold, you cut. When he's hot, you pick him back up, even in 15-teamers. What do you think of Jack Sawinski? And on base percentage leagues, I mean, he's walking at a 15% rate. Yeah, so. still, still maintaining that. Yeah, I mean, uh, but in in your standard Roto um, leagues or even in a lot of points leagues, especially if you don't get extra points for, for walks, like uh, you probably should drop him. Uh, but he is one of those guys, like he could just go on a tear out of nowhere. I mean, he's very yeah. much... A uh, similar type profile with walks as Teoscar. So, right. Like, he's just a guy who, you know, he's just going to try to swing his way out. You're of saying it. he's Teoscar with walks. Yeah. He's Teoscar yeah. with walks. Yeah. yeah. I mean, he's just, you know, he's going to try to swing his way out of it. And that is going to lead to these huge ups and downs, um, even more so than, than Teoscar, because I just think he has a worse hit tool in, in general. So, um, yeah, I, I, I mean, you probably shouldn't be rostering them in any average-based formats at this it's point. Hard. So uh, the only 
the only issue with that is he's gonna play like like he's like it's the pirates like what else you know like <laughs> Roasted. You, you know henry davis is on the il that's yeah um, that's a good point um aren't they playing josh palos uh Pal- right palacios now? yeah palacios. the palacios brothers by the way they you know because it was a kind of a light week uh th- those two both were richie and josh were getting some love on the waiver market this mm-hmm. week just because i was of a options. big fan of josh when he got drafted i would you know like and so it's, it's kind of fun to see him actually uh doing something <laughs> and they got so. to play against each other too so yeah. that was fun watching them kind of go go back and forth i think i want to say richie's in st louis and josh yeah, st. Louis, with yeah. pittsburgh so yeah i mean with sawinski is he one of those guys that like once he kind of hits that first homer you start looking back to pick him up in yeah da- daily pickup leagues or if like if you're if you're just desperate for power right now, and I know a lot of people are, like you know, home runs are a category that are really really bunched together. Like, yep. you if if your average is okay, you might just you know put him in there and hope that like, hey, you catch it before it starts, uh, because he will go on another stretch. Like, I, I'm gonna be, I would be really surprised if he doesn't have you know another eight or nine home runs left in the tank you know rest the way it's just a matter of like what are you going to get around that and uh so you know like if you're desperate for home runs and your batting average is okay i don't mind picking them up right now and just like praying that it, it starts to rain this week yeah um i'm with you as far as like maybe a preemptive pickup too if you're desperate depending on the league format if you can stash Sawinski because yeah once he gets hot he's a guy who can go like, on a tear let me let me take a look at who- their pitching who would you rather? Who would you rather have right now? Would you rather have Sawinski or DJ Peterson, who's been on a tear? You mean DJ Stewart? Oh, sorry, DJ Stewart. Yeah, sorry. And you were th- probably thinking of DJ Peters and David yeah. Peterson. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I, I followed you though. Um, I think I might go Stu at least in the very short term. I'm looking at how many lefties they're facing. They're only facing one lefty. The Mets are for Stewart, and okay. with Sawinski. Uh, he's got three lefties this week, including two in the first half at KC, Reagans and Zerpa. Zerpa doesn't scare me, but Reagans, even if Swinski starts, I might lean Stewart. Did you lose me there for a second? My yeah, went out. yeah, I lost you there for a second. And anyway, I, I, I'm leaning, I'm leaning Stu, um, especially because next week. Pittsburgh gets Milwaukee and Atlanta. It's all righties, but it's Burns, Woodruff, Peralta, Morton, mm-hmm. Strider. Bryce Elder's actually been pitching a little bit better lately. He's probably the easiest one to pick on there. So, yeah, that's tough for Sawinski. Um, let's talk Matt Chapman. He has been freezing. And I want to say, is he also nicked up right now, too? Or am I making that up? Maybe he's just terrible. But uh, let me give you some numbers on what Matt Chapman's been doing. Because he was looking pretty good early in the year. Like, hey, nice pickup. He actually had a great April that really carried it. Yeah. He hit 384 with a 485 BABIP. He's at 202, 200, 247, 197 in the month since. However, in those other three months, before this month, he had nine homers combined. So that was, you know, at least sustaining some value. But seven, eight, and eight ribbies. To be honest, Chapman's been dog shit for a while, Justin. Yeah. People are just kind of holding him because of inertia and because of how much that April really floated him. One homer and 197 average here in August. Is there any spot where you're holding Matt Chapman right now? No, and he did leave the game yesterday with a, uh, a middle finger injury. Okay, so um, I, I didn't make that up. Good. Yeah, so and you add that into the struggles and you go, I think he's droppable in every format. Like Every I, format right now. Yeah, like I mean, you know, like, 
AL only, maybe you're holding on to him just because there's literally no one available. But yeah, um, but any yeah, mixer, any mix league, I think you have to drop him right now, and you probably should have dropped him already. He's just that's like the said, real he's thing. Been, he's just been atrocious. Um, and I, I mean, I think this is a really good thing to remember for next season. Is like, you know, early season hot streaks are great, and you do want to jump on them. But you need to be watching the skills because the skills reverted back really, really quickly. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, back to being a guy who just cannot make contact in the zone, um, and uh, and that is really only playing for Toronto right now because uh, you know he's got a contract and he's pretty great defensively still. So um, yeah, you, you gotta you gotta just drop Chapman. I just he shouldn't be on any rosters. Yeah, that, that's totally where I'm at. Um, and again, the anchoring effect of April's on both ends, a guy that struggled too much, you might overlook uh, how well they're doing when they get out of April. And then a guy who did really well, you might overlook how shitty they are from April on. Because, you know, at the end of May, Chapman was hitting 288, 366, 490. And so it completely clouded the fact that he went 202, 273, 312 in the, in May itself. And then he put another crappy one in June, but at the end of the month, it's a 789 OPS, 262 average with a bunch of homers. And so you're thinking, I'm still getting good work here. And you have to be careful with those big, big Aprils. Uh, how much are they going to impact how you're looking at a player there and maybe lead to some bad decisions? Uh, let's talk Jock Peterson. And my biggest issue with him, yes, he's struggling a bit. He kind of goes through ups and downs, but two big players returning this week, Mike Yastrzemski and Mitch Hanniger, one of which I picked up. I took a spec on Hanniger, just hoping he can catch a little fire there. Uh, but with Peterson, he's not playing that well. And two guys who could take playing time from him coming back does give me a little bit of nerves if I have Jock Peterson anywhere. He's definitely a deeper league type of play, but he has four homers and a low 200s batting average since the start of July. Are you hanging on to Jock Peterson in any deeper formats? I mean, yeah, he he's actually been pretty good in the uh, month of August and has done his best work in the last two weeks. He's just not in for the power that he has uh, previously. And it's, uh, you know, watching a lot of Giants games, it's just a lot of stuff falling short of the fence. Um, you know, he had a triple in the game on Friday or so okay. uh, like put out a was, little show for y'all. Like it was, it was a little ridiculous. Um, I, I think he's, I think he's going to play, um, you know, strong side platoon. Uh, you sure. Uh, even with those two guys. Yeah. I think Meckler probably heads back down. Who plays um, center then Matos. Oh, maybe, maybe Meckler. Yes. No, no. Does, yes. Yes. Plays yes. Center. Play center. Okay. Yes, play center. So, um, I mean, they don't care about their defense. They've made that abundantly uh, true. I mean, but they're competing. They want. They want to. Yeah. But I think. I think it is Yaz. Okay. So then Yaz plays center. Meckler out. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think Matos might have to get sent out too. Then. Yeah, Matos probably gets sent out too. So, um, yeah, I, I he is what it is. Like mm-hmm. he probably shouldn't be rostered in anything you know more than or anything shallower than a 15 team league. And I, I don't think you have to roster him in a 15 four team lefties league. this week too. So oh, if yeah. you want to definitely cut not now this time, week, yeah. mm-hmm. if you want, if you want to cut him like this week and ride somebody else, maybe I am for a future to, 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 uh, to jump back on Jock Peterson, because you're saying that the power is like just there. And maybe mm-hmm. some of the homers are going to start going, but yeah, as it stands right now, it's been a little rough for him. And uh, I did speculate on Hanniger, not, not as like an anti-Jock play. It was more just pro Hanniger because when Hanniger was healthy, he played every day. 
And yeah, I think he's as going, long yeah. as they believe he's healthy, mm-hmm. he's playing every day and he can hit for some mad bombs. So I thought that was a solid pickup for me. Yeah. Right, let's play some holder fold and get out of here. Uh, we talked about Hunter Green on Friday with Nick. I think we all advocated starting him. <laughs> it didn't go well. So it's mm. two duds now. 13 mm. earned runs in six and seven, six and two thirds since coming back. Are you holding Hunter Green in 10s and 12s? I think in 15s you have to because we talked about how little there is available. You bench him and you just see what's up. But what about in 10s and 12s where there will be more options available? Are you holding Hunter Green right now? I mean, I'm pretty sure what I said uh, was this is who he is. Like, this is like you got to take the really good with the really, really bad. Um, I, I, I don't have a problem dropping him necessarily, especially if you don't want that volatility. But if you're chasing strikeouts, like how many guys are going to be available on your waiver wire? I don't care, even at 10 or 12, like whether those guys are going to, you know, be able to help carry you in the same way that Hunter Green can. So mm-hmm. um, this is why I don't like drafting guys like Hunter Green. It's why I stay away from guys like Hunter Green, uh, because I am always worried that the volatility uh, is just going to bite me at the the most inopportune times. And if you were in a head head league trying to get a playoff spot, like that crushed you. Um, so, uh, yeah, I mean, I my I think my beliefs and uh, and my advice is the same as it's always been with Hunter Green. Is like if you can handle the volatility, you're probably going to have to roll with it because there's you know very few guys who are going to be on waiver wire with as high of upside as him. Uh, but again, that's why I stay away from these guys. I mean, it is really tough with this kind of volatility and his park adds to it. So it, it, it can be pretty rough. I will say I, w- I would kind of have to know exactly who people are going for. I think you've got to you got to keep him this week because they're at San Francisco. So like, oh, yeah, it's a great That's matchup fair. in a great home park, you know, and then their home gets Seattle the following week. Yeah, it starts off a two step with Seattle next week. So uh, like. Yeah, I think you're. I think you're holding on to him right now in pretty much every format, and just you know, praying that Mitch Haniger doesn't go just ape crap on him. You know, I think that's fair. I, I think that's totally fair with with Hunter Green. Um, it is hard to get away, and maybe there aren't as many good options in tens and twelves anyway. Right? There'll be more than fifteens, mm. but they still might not be as good as what Hunter Green can do. So, and I also agree with playing at San Francisco this week. So I'm with you. I'm going to hold, I'm going to start him this week. If it's another bad one this week, though, I am cutting even on the, even on the two step the following week, I, I would really, away I mean, that. yeah, oh, that's, that's yeah. at really... that point, if I get another dud, man, what, what am I holding on for? Yeah, no, I mean, that's fair. You know, you're just looking at a two step of Seattle and St. Louis next week, both at home though. And both teams yeah. like say, Seattle's playing well and St. Louis again, they can get you. You got to be careful. They can get you. And then and then he'd line up for either at Detroit or at the Mets the following week. I think you got to just hold on to him. Like I like I think like I, I, I don't, don't like Hunter to. Green. I, I think, think you, you should. I think you you, you right now. Yeah. Like okay, like Brandon Fought's available in our, our 12 team on, on Yahoo. So I'm looking at Yahoo right now. He's 12% rostered at Yahoo. I, I'd rather have Brandon fought Logan Allen's 40%. I'll, I'll pick up Logan Allen. JP France had that bomb out, but I don't think he sucks. Now he's 56%. Zach Littell, 19. There's options. I don't think you have to hold green. I'm holding him this week. I'm with you. Another dud. I'm out. 
Yeah. And we can reassess. Maybe maybe you change your mind on Friday. Maybe if, if he has mm-hmm. another dud, hopefully I remember we can bring it up and I'll see if you're still with yeah. it. If he puts up another six earned in three innings. Especially we'll at San Francisco, then you're like, yeah. oh man. Then we'll test your medal there mm-hmm. and see see what's up. But as it stands right now, Justin's fully in. I'm in for this week on Hunter. I'm Green. fully in with the caveat that I know he can just destroy you any given. Exactly. Time. Yeah. You 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 are not discounting this, the volatility. This, right now, the schedule means so much. That's like, true. You throw out a lot of like, hey, you know, I really love this guy. I really hate this guy, you know, and you go, Hey, what are the best matchups to play? Yeah, no, I, I, to, I totally get that. Um, schedule is hugely important at this time of year. Is there anything in the schedule that has you keeping this guy? Speaking of volatility, this is basically just AL Hunter green, except he's had a higher ceiling uh, last year. Dylan cease. He's going to Baltimore. Uh, and then a trip to KC after that uh, are his next two starts. He's got a 785 ERA in his last six, 481 ERA, 146 whip for the year. We've said it a few times throughout the year talking about Dylan Cease. This is what 40-grade command does. This is the volatility of 40-grade command. And we've mentioned our friend Nick Pollock. He was notably anti-Cease last year, caught some flack for it. Turns out he might have just been a year early, and the reasons that he was skeptical of cease last year have come to fruition this year um how do you feel about cease and are you holding him in formats right now down the stretch when win probability is low and he's just blasting the ratios week in and week out i'm gonna meme a little bit here because um as the guy who loves to take april victory laps um i'm gonna victory lap on all the people took april victory laps on dylan cease uh yeah that's just you know all the people who are like oh oh, people were like bagging on dylan cease this year yeah this is this is why this is why you know and Mm -hmm. uh one of the reasons why i was not in on cease this year uh especially at the price was i just saw this potential downside and when you're taking your your first or second starting pitcher, you don't want to have this kind of potential downside. Like, yeah. Um, and so, uh, again, though, I you know, you look at the schedule at Baltimore, great place to pitch. At Kansas City, great place to pitch. Then he lines up in in uh, in three weeks. He lines up for two step as long as things stay you know relatively the same in terms of uh, their rotation schedule. For yeah. home versus Kansas City and home versus Minnesota Twins, like oh my god, I don't know how you're dropping this. Like I, I understand he's been bad, but like that's how though, right? Like he's not been pitching well. Like yes, the schedule matters, but it's not the only thing. I guess you're heartened by even in the midst of this ugly run that I mentioned four C's, he does have two gems, the Yankees and Milwaukee. He looked like himself. And even against Colorado in Colorado, yeah, he gave up five runs, four of them earned, but he had six strikeouts, two walks. So that was still there. Um, You just ate that, ate that freaking Oakland start. Getting diced by Oakland, man. Like, I don't know that, that dents my confidence. I will say this. I'm not starting C's this week. If I hold him, I'm benching him. Even in Baltimore. Yeah, no, I, I don't have a problem with that at all. Like okay, that. so I'm, I'm yeah. okay if you want to hold and try to get to that KC start. And then the, what would you say, KC and who else after that? Minnesota. Minnesota. If you're trying to hold to get to that, those two, I get it. I think you should sit cease this week, though. Because, yeah. uh, you know, Baltimore is a good spot to pitch in, but that lineup can definitely get you. And I don't want to take it. And then you can pro, like, if, if he's not like looking like the Dylan Cease that we saw last year, you can drop him because he's going to finish out the year with Boston, Arizona, like a, like two of Boston, Arizona, San Diego. So like you can just 
a- after that two step with Kansas City, Minnesota, you could probably drop him unless he looks elite. You know, down yeah. The I think I think that makes a lot of sense with regards to to Dylan Cease right now, and uh, you know it just hasn't been there this year. His volatility has been severe. Let's do a couple of hitters here. Holder Fold, Leody Tavares. Speaking of victory laps, maybe we were taking a little preemptive one yeah. here. We're we're a show that likes him, and we were you know I don't think we were obnoxious with it. We were saying this is why we stick with this guy. We like him. He's still only twenty four. Overall, it's still been a fine year, right? If you look up at this, you say, I got 12 and 11 with a 261 average from Leody Tavares. Um, sure, fine. The trajectory of it, though, has been has been tough, particularly of late, where after a big May and June, he's been nothing. Three homers, bad average, and three steals. Um, and it's two homers, two steals, and a 555 OPS in his last 148 plate appearances since july 14th that's uh basically the all-star break you throw in the rest of july it doesn't make it much better by the way so basically the last two months have been rough for leone are you holding him in 15 teamers even um i think he is droppable in 15 teamers here's the thing like he is gonna play like uh and he's continued to play in spite of these struggles because he's so good defensively and unlike my giants the Rangers care about Leonid Tavares' defense. So, uh, like, they, uh, he's going to continue to play every day. And there is speed in the profile, and there is power in the profile. And, like, yes, he's going to be hitting ninth, but that means Marcus Simeon and Corey Seager coming up right behind him. To drive him in. Yeah, so, like, uh, I'm, you know, there's not much, like, that is super, like, rosy about the profile but i will say since the all-star break he's making just above league average contact um you know like and it is a lot of weak contact but because he's fast he can outrun some of that um i think i would try to hold him he's in 15s because what you're looking at at the weight on the waiver wire is pretty garbage or part-time players and Leonard Tavares is a full-time player on a really good offense. He's got power and speed. Like, hey, it would not surprise me if, you know, hits three or four home runs the rest of the way and steals eight or nine bases, uh, you know. And so, like, I'm willing to kind of stick around and hold on to him. You can't start him right now, though. He should be a bench option. Should be a bench bat right now, Leonard Tavares. I uh, totally agree with that. Too tough to start. What about somebody in a fifth, since we're talking 15 teamers here, which by the way means in tens and twelves, we have no problem cutting Leone. There's almost certainly options out there. Uh, but in 15s, it's it's more dicey. What about somebody like a Willier Abreu in Boston, who is a, definitely a strong side platoon, but has a lot of pop, even has a little trickle of speed. Jaron Duran's on the IL. Where would you go there between Willier Abreu and Leone Tavares? Willier, excuse me. Yeah, Abreu, like, there is some pop in the bat, but it's not, like, produced power, and, like, the underlying plate skills are really, really bad. They're tough. I mean, we're, we're talking about a guy who has currently got a 77% zone contact, 85% is league average this year, um, and anything below 80 is atrocious. So, you know, when you're three percentage points below uh like the atrocious line yeah um you know we'll call it the carter Keyboom line since he's, he's back uh, a brain takes that. more walks than i thought i will say wheelier has an 11 percent in his small major league sample 16 in the minors i thought he had worse than that so that helps a little bit but your contact 
point here uh, is well well taken. He's riding a 417 BABIP right now to hit 353. Yeah. Are you encouraged at all by the 274 in the minors, though, with the 290 BABIP? He didn't have to ride a high BABIP. Was he just making more contact, and maybe there's a future where Willier starts to make that contact in the majors, or was he just what running hot in the minors or something? What What do you think about that? Because those are some pretty good minor league numbers for Willier Abreu. I mean, it looks like he's got a really good understanding of the strike zone, um, and he's his O swing right now is five percent. Like, okay, so he, like like okay. that is so, unreal. So what's up with that contact? Then you said he's at seventy-seven in zone contact. He's just yeah. not. He identifies. And he's swinging a ton in the zone. So he's swinging 70. I think he's just like, he, he sees it coming towards the zone. He's like, oh, this is going to be in the zone. I'm going to swing. But he doesn't really know how to make contact. Like so. And you, you know what else I would bet, too? Um, maybe he's swinging at some pitches that because they're in the zone, he's like, yes, it's in the zone. But he can't do enough damage on those. And maybe he needs to be more selective there. Clearly, he has some selectivity prowess like i said the walk rates are there for abreu it's a little bit misshapen on some of the other things but i wonder if there's some talent here remember he came over in the christian vasquez deal they also got emmanuel valdez who's contributed a little bit this year that was a hell of a deal for boston two nice yeah. little younger pieces there for christian vasquez uh, i like abreu i think he's intriguing you guys know i love Tavares. so going back to the original guy we were talking about i think i'd still hold Tavares right now because I think he has more speed. Uh, Abreu's more of like a, he might have some speed and it's really more power. But I do want to, I just want to put Abreu on the radar because I do think he's a worthy pickup. I just would rather cut somebody besides Tavares. Yeah, I mean, the problem is with, um, you know, Abreu is like, I don't know what the playing time is going to look like rest of the it, way. It, like, it's total platoon. Like he, yeah. he did start against a lefty yesterday, but it's because they had back-to-back -back lefties. I think for the most part, you're going to find Abreu against righties. So in the short term here, they have Valdez on Wednesday, and that's it, Framber Valdez. And then next week, at least the way it's slated right now, all righties, six righties mm -hmm. for Boston. So Abreu does have some in intrigue for me. Um, I would just rather keep Tavares and cut somebody else if, if, if I'm going for that. All right, now here's the last one we're going to end on, and this is, again, very specific. Now, you and I, love to promote to people don't give up in rate rate stats right they can move a lot more than you think even at this point in the year shouts to todd zola for the first one being mm -hmm. being the first one to write like a big article about it really talk about it that said if you find yourself in a position where your batting average is really going to have a hard time moving one way or the other right maybe you're just kind of solid right there in fourth or fifth and you're seven batting average points away from moving up and five from being caught or something, right? We're creating a pretty specific example. But the bottom line I want to ask is, do you hold somebody like Luisa Rise if you can't really have much mobility in batting average? He's hitting 227 in August with two homers and one steal. The BABIP had to come down, right? He was due for, for a little cold spell. I don't believe that he's forgotten how to hit for average. He could hit 412 the rest of the way and I'd be 0% surprised. But the problem is when he's not hitting for average, Luis Arise gives you nothing, yeah. nothing. So in tens and twelves, when he's not bringing you the batting average, and if you are in a situation where the batting average wouldn't even help you that much, even if he was bringing it, how cuttable is somebody like Arise? This is so weird because dude's in two twenty seven during the month of August. He's still got a three fifty batting average on the year, like which the, leads baseball. Yeah, like it's like I. He's got unreal contact ability. And even in this stretch, he's still making uh, 
a 92.7% zone contact. It's just bad just, Babbitt. Yeah. It's just elite. Like, and yeah, it is just bad Babbitt. Um, if you don't need the batting average, you obviously can cut. But like, if you do need the batting average, like, I think he's going to be fine. Like, I don't think I there's going to be, I don't think there's an issue with him. I think he's just getting unlucky. Uh, and if he hit 350 rest of the way, I wouldn't be surprised. So, like I said, um, 412 wouldn't surprise me the rest yeah. of the way. Like, not, nothing from him batting average wise. Let me ask you this, though. And because the reason I bring this up is I, I do feel like when you're trying to manage the categories down the stretch, some people might not even consider cutting somebody like Arise. And I'm just saying you should be open to it if you really Absolutely. can't make the moves in in batting average even in a 15 teamer if it gets to a point where there's just no real movement do the math right what would it take because that's the thing too like we, we talk about how these can, categories can move a lot more do the math to see what's up yeah. i just think a rise might be more cuttable than a lot of people generally think since you're so good at this where is he in second base player raider louis arise for the year okay he is gonna be fifth no I, I stumped you. He's 15th. Oh, okay. And that's the thing. It's, it's, so, it's so empty. Yeah. It's, just it's so empty. empty. Five homers, two steals, 54, 54 runs, 58 runs, ribs. Yeah. So that's the thing. And I'm not saying to run out and cut him <clears throat> willy nilly, but if you've got things in order with your batting average and you just can't make that many moves and you might be better off just going to get some speedster. You might be better off going yeah. to get Will, Will Abreu and get his power, all right? So and he's no right. longer a guy who's got multi-positional eligibility. Exactly. Like he's, like, he's going to be second base only next year, which he probably, yeah, should be drafted as the 15th second baseman off the board. Exactly. So he fulfills a very special need, Luis Arise does, but you might get your fill from him. You might have already gotten what you can get. And you might be better served to move on. Now, the other thing you have to be careful of, do you cut them to somebody who can get, you know, five batting average points and then they pass you too. So you have to be strategic about it, but at least have it on your radar as a potential idea. Something you might not have been thinking about, you know, uh, a month ago when he was, you know, tearing the cover off the ball, going three, four hits a day. So, all right, that's it. That's going to be it for a hold and fold there. We're holding Hunter Green. We're holding, but benching sees. We're mostly holding Tavares, but he's cuttable if the right guy pops up. And then we're very open to cutting a rise if the batting average no longer helps us. Less about his cold streak and more about the lack of other offerings. Yeah. So we both believe that his batting average will actually rebound the rest of the way and be fine. So, yeah. All right, Justin, I hope you have a good one. Your chat's about to start right now. Yep. Uh, and I will talk to you later this week. Take it easy.